right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. Solly here. First ever Solheim Cup preview that we've done. We've learned a little about the Solheim Cup. We're going to continue to learn about it. We are going to be going to it for the very first time uh, at Inverness up in Toledo this coming week. Joining me today, Big Randy. Hello, Mr. Big. How are you? Hello, Solly. I am great. I'm excited to be here. And more importantly, I'm excited for the Solheim Cup. And joining for the first time, if you listen to our most recent recap episode from the BMW Championship, we announced a, uh, a strategic alliance. We didn't come up with that phrase. Somebody sent that to us, and we're so upset we didn't think of this. But a strategic alliance with the uh, with the girls from Gruder Golf, and joining us is Jen Corcoran from Gruder Golf. Hello, and welcome, Jen. Thank you so, so much for having me. This is truly the most exciting day of my life, I think, up until well, now. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Until I get to Solheim later this week, though. (laughs) I'm so sorry, Jen. (laughs) Please. I know the title of your guys' podcast is Low Expectations, but I had no idea that how, just how low we were talking, but, uh, why don't, for, for an introduction, why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, about Gruder Golf and, uh, what has brought you here today? So yeah, Gruder Golf is an events and now media company. Um, we're, we're newly into the, the media realm of things, but we started out as an events company trying to get new golfers into the game because we ourselves were very new golfers. We actually only played our first round back in 2016, so five years ago now. Things really escalated quickly. Um, we got very quickly obsessed with it, um, started playing nonstop. I made a joke Instagram account for Kirsten, and then it became not a joke anymore, really. Uh, and we all became very obsessed with golf, started convincing our friends to play. Our friends convinced their friends. And before you know it, we have a podcast. We're thinking about quitting our day jobs, all those good things. And yeah, throwing events, you know, hopefully soon all over the country right now, based around New York City, Chicago, Baltimore, Philadelphia, Boston soon to be DC, and then eventually the world. Yeah, very, very excited uh, to have the vote of confidence of the NLU boys, legends of the game. Where, if people want to get involved in the events, where where can they go? Plug your website. So head to GrudaGolf.com. We've got some really fun events. Actually, we're doing an event together, you guys. Um, Mixed Troubles what? at Wachung Valley in New Jersey on the 11th of September. So only, you know, 10 days away right now, which is kind of crazy. So we've got a couple of wild weeks ahead of us. That's actually our first event that we're keeping a score at, that we're encouraging keeping a score. We're known for actively discouraging scorekeeping to promote enjoyment of the game. But, you know, sometimes it's enjoyable to keep score too. So trying to trying to grow a little bit here. Well, I'm going to ask you a little bit about what you're excited about. Uh, we're all going to weigh in on what we're excited about. But uh, there's something that we have, a product that we use that uh, measures a little bit of excitement at times. And I cannot wait to see and i need to i'm hoping no other journalists kind of beat us to the punch on this one i want to ask some players for their whoop data when they are teeing off on the first hole at the solheim cup we're going to talk about a little bit about what the scene around that first and tenth tee is going to be like uh you've heard us talk a lot about whoop you can use promo code no laying up all one word for 15 percent off at whoop.com it is a fitness wearable it measures uh among many other things your heart rate uh, i love always love looking back at tournaments I play in to see what my first tee heart rate is, some of the most important putts, 
uh, what my heart does, what it does throughout the course of a day, you know, with other uh, stressful activities you might be putting on your body, what alcohol can do to your heart rate. You know, you can answer questions based on, you know, what your day's activities were, and it'll help weigh into your sleep patterns and how well you're recovering, and you'll find out, you know, how well does your body react to alcohol? How well does it react to CBD? How well does it react to a sleep mask? All kinds of incredible insights uh, into your body. And if you're starting to get into your mid to late 30s and starting to realize you're struggling on certain things, then this product is a great tool to help address some of those things you might be struggling with. So again, whoop.com, promo code no laying up for 15% off, all one word. And uh, with that in mind, Jen, what's got you excited about the uh, upcoming Solheim Cup? Well, I guess my first non-golf excitement is I'm excited to see Randy at a Gwen Stefani concert um, because <laughs> I've been told that I get to see that on Friday, which is something I'm extremely excited about. Um, golf, golf, I no Randy, you are girl. coming. <laughs> I, Jen, I ain't no hollerback girl, okay, if that's what you're expecting. <laughs> oh, that's too good. That's too good. I still haven't um, learned I what that means. Are we supposed to know what that means? I don't think so. I don't know, actually. I guess I've never thought about it. Huh. I, I, I just assume it's, uh, yeah, I may have to Urban Dictionary that one. I don't know if that's a safe one to Urban Dictionary or not, but there will, Gwen Stefani will be playing at the opening ceremonies, which I believe is off-site. I don't know if it's more of a Gwen Stefani concert alongside the opening ceremonies, or I, well, how, I don't know how to really classify that. Yeah, nor do I, honestly. All I know is she's going to be there, and I, I'm, I'm assuming you guys are going, right? I mean, I wouldn't miss it. My flight, I will be I there. Sure, yeah, I made sure my flight got in in time for that. <laughs> Um, um, yes, the, the opening ceremonies are downtown. So they're, they're having a big pavilion uh, area where, I, you know, there'll be, I think, other concert performers and programming uh, downtown, downtown Toledo. So excited to, to get downtown and see that part of the city. Inverness sits, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes outside of downtown. Yeah, but I got to say, golf-wise, uh, I mean, I'm obviously just so excited to see all my favorite players in person, see the swings in person. I think that that's always different, seeing it in person versus on TV. But then also, speaking of TV, I've only watched the LPGA on TV before. So I'm excited to see some players that I don't get to see on TV that often. You know, Brit Brittany Altamari was somebody that when I was researching, you know, more about her, I don't see her every week really on TV. But I'll get to see her this week, which is exciting because it sounds like she's actually pretty good. So... <laughs> <laughs> turns she's, out, yeah, turns out wildly good. accomplished. <laughs> yeah. Randy, what's got you excited? Uh, first Solheim Cup, obviously, that's that's what I'm most excited for. Inverness, the golf course is fantastic. Got to see it last August when the women played it for the drive on, and it it's a major championship venue. It's you know one of the the best i don't know 50 uh maybe even less than that uh courses in the u.s it's held numbers uh, a number of very important events throughout its history uh but i think what i'm most excited for was and we'll talk about this more 2017 the solheim cup in des moines the atmosphere that just oozed through the television and made that event so exciting i can't wait to be a part of that and to feel it and to have it all around me and to hear the roars to hear the crowd i think toledo and the whole upper midwest ohio michigan area is really going to show out so very much excited just to be there to soak in the atmosphere and to take it all in i'll tell you what i'm excited about is every lpga event i've been to i think we come back from each one just raving more and more about the experience but at the same time while i'm there i think like 
gosh, there should just be more people here watching this. Like, I feel like people are, I honestly and truly do feel like people are missing out. And I do not think we're going to walk away from the Solheim Cup feeling that because from what it sounds like in that trip, Randy and I made a trip up there in July, uh, met with the tournament director. We got to play with Pat Hurst, which we'll talk a little bit uh, about. She is the U.S. team captain. They are ab- they're prepared and absolutely stoked. The whole city is prepared and stoked for this event to come here. And shout out to Inverness and, and just in general for their you know dedication to the women's game and hosting the drive on uh, the two, last two years. Am I correct in saying that, Randy? They were. It was one, just twenty. Just it was just twenty twenty. Yeah, it was just the restart. It was a one off. It just, like they there will be no shortage of people there yelling, screaming their heads off, and it, it's such a perfect size market for you know an event like this where you know if it was going to a really big city you know that is used to seeing big sporting events come to town it may not register but like this is the the show in town uh toledo's been a, a you know between this and uh and the the tournament sylvania that this is one of the just a huge huge city on the lpga circuit so having that kind of continuity and that kind of uh, you know the people that have gone to those events and knowing some of the players and and having the appreciation for the game, I think is going to shine through in the in the environment in general. So I can't wait. It's going to be, uh, and also just I, I, I'll just flat out say it too. Like I don't think we're going to pretend to be experts on the Solheim Cup. I, I'm learning about it. I mean, I think it, you know it, I, I I haven't really covered it nearly to the extent I probably should have in in our years of uh, uh, with no laying up here. And uh, you know, it's a re, we're rededicated to to covering this and experiencing it. I, I just don't have that you know in person experience to kind of go off of. Uh, I kind of fell in love with the Ryder Cup back in 2012 when I went for the first time. And I think going forward after this, you know, we've interviewed a lot of women that have been uh, on these teams and asked them about Solheim and seeing them light up about it. It's the same way the, the, uh, the men do light up talking about the Ryder Cup. And it does really stand out in terms of the reactions you see from players after shots. Like I just was watching the highlights today, watching Nelly Korda like throw huge fist pumps up is something we have not seen in the two years since the 2019 uh, Solheim Cup. But Rainy, why don't you give us a little bit of let's go through some some recent history, some some broad history here, and then we're going to go through some of the more recent years uh, to try to bring us to how uh, how we got to where we are today. Would love to. Would love to. Let's start with the name, the Solheim Cup. I don't know if people are aware it is named after Karsten Solheim. Perhaps, Solly, I hope you know this. Two college courses are named after Karsten Solheim. Do you know which two of those are? Uh, Karsten Creek. That's that correct, Oklahoma State, yep. And Solheim National, I have no idea. <laughs> the ASU Karsten Golf Club, Arizona State. Uh, I thought you said college courses for a moment, and I was like, he invented a course in college? That is something else. This guy's accomplished. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe Club club Making 101 uh, would be would be his golf course. He's, uh, you know, famously was involved with ping anyway anyway um he was we just, always a fan just talk of, about a yeah. sick marketing move that is to put together a, a, a an event like this like that's genius listen we of right. course are not sponsored by ping but shout out on that move that is an incredible <laughs> move it's cool and that was that was what i was going to say he was obviously a, a fan of the Ryder cup and was very passionate about women's golf and so in 1990 yeah, it was the culmination of his idea. Why don't we have one of these for the women? And so 1990 was the inaugural Solheim Cup, and it has been going strong ever since. Uh, very similar to the Ryder Cup, obviously. Now the format, uh, the playing format is exactly the same, and it goes every other year. So um, with kind of COVID and uh, 9-11 throughout the schedule, I, I 
I guess, Saul, you actually know this. Is is the writer, do you think they'll stay together in nope. odd number of years, or are we going back to one and then the other? Just learned this today. 2023 is on as scheduled, but they will switch to even years in 24. So they will go back-to-back years in 23 and 24. Listen, LPGA seems willing to take a lot of advice. Play it every damn year. Beat the Ryder Cup to it. I've been yelling for the Ryder Cup to be played every year, but it, it, I think it would help a ton with the continuity and everyone's memory of these events if you play them every year. But we'll finally get to see uh, one of these events go back-to-back in 23 and 24, which I'm excited about. Or or LPGA, I, I really, Ooh. you know, jointly with the, with the, with the President's Cup. Yes. Let's, let's make the President's Cup a male and female event because – we need the Korean women there. We need, you know, the Thai women there. There are so many good countries in women's golf that uh, I, I would like to see some competitions that way as well. Anyway, I digress. U.S. leads all-time series 10 to 6. All right. Europe, interestingly, has only won once on U.S. soil. That occurred in 2013 at Colorado Golf Club. And if you guys can believe this, we got to talk about this. Why are so the European women are just like the men in that they are so much better than the U.S. in uh, team matches. So out of 16 Solheim Cups, the, the European women have been leading or tied going into Sunday singles in 13 of the 16 Solheim Cups, which on the flip side tells you how good the, the U.S. women have been in singles. But, it, I mean, isn't it crazy how that carries over from the men's game to the women's game as well? It's, it's all the same. Why I, is that, do you think? I mean, I can recycle the same platitudes we hear on the men's <laughs> side. I mean, they just, they just you know, you know, the Americans, it's in their heart. Uh, the Europeans, it's in their blood. Like, they're just, they're just so much more passionate about it. I do think there is something to American culture versus European culture uh, in terms of how, at least, I, I can only, again, kind of relate this on the men's side, how how individualistic our society is and how the tour pros kind of just operate in this world of like, eh, if it's not convenient to me, like it's not convenient. It's just not going to work out. Whereas, uh, you know, I, I, I always default to Paul McGinley's story about sitting Graham McDowell down when he was one of the top players in the world and 2014 and saying like, Hey, here's the two matches you're going to play. Like, I know you don't agree with that. I know you think you should probably play all of them. Like, I don't even necessarily disagree with you, but I need you to play this role with this team. And Graham McDowell, like, probably not liking it, but shutting up and doing it, and the Europeans going on and winning. Like, I just, the U.S. just doesn't operate that way, at least on the men's side. So, on the women's side, I, I just, I think there is also something to going in as favorites and expecting, just having that natural expectation. You play a little bit, no matter what. You play like you have something to lose, right? And you you think that I should win, and that makes it even worse when you get one down. Then you're panicking a little bit. You might change your strategy a little bit. Everyone's got to play until they get punched in the face. That's that's my that's my two cents on it. And uh, I, Jen, I'm curious to see if you have any any different answer. Well, I know I I don't have an answer. I'm just confused because one of the things that all the girls say when you ask them what it is about Solheim that they love so much is that team aspect and playing. You know, a lot of them are former college players, right? And that's a team event. And so going back to that format, that's one of the things I think Danielle Kang has said before that she loves playing on a team. You know, loves playing with her friends. And so you'd think that, but maybe maybe they love it, but just not willing to to give up, you know, some of themselves if that's if that makes any sense. So you can love something and still not be be good at it, I guess, and that's that's us at golf. So uh, yeah, it's it's <laughs> I can relate. It, it's interesting, you know. I, I it feels to me at least in like Great Britain and Ireland, right? They just grow up with more of a sense of 
one playing match play, but two, you know, almost playing like foursomes, right? Like I, I you know, not everybody does that a lot, but I, I just think it's more ingrained in the culture maybe of golf to the, the team aspect of it, which I don't know if plays a part or not, but uh, it, it really is interesting. It really but is. I also think like you're dealing with, and especially on the Solheim Cup side, you're honestly dealing with a pretty small sample size. Like the, there is not that much golf played in these cups. I mean, we're talking like f for the each of the first four sessions, like there's four matches. Like it's just not that much golf, right? Whereas, you know, in golf, when you look at like a, a two year period, like in between Ryder Cups or in between Solheim Cups, you have. 10 majors on the women's side, eight majors on the men's side. Like think of how much golf that is, right? For somebody to like paint a complete picture of what their game is like. Whereas like these things are just a snapshot and in foursomes, you're hitting half the shots and you know, you might even be sitting out some matches. Like it, it really is just such a, I don't know. It, it's kind of like a jump ball, right? I mean, it can, it can honestly go either way and the momentum can shift so quickly and it's not, you know, I think these contests, if they were longer dragged out and played throughout the course of the year, it would probably get a more uniform result other than just like, Hey, it is kind of a little bit random how some of these, some of these things go under pressure. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's curious though. It, it's, I was shocked to, to learn that. So just that it mirrors the, the, the men's storyline so much, right? Like, I, I think that's what surprised me the most. It's like, Oh my God. So, you know, yeah. what, what is it? The, it's the exact same. So, hmm. oh, do you want to, Sully, do you want to dive into some more recent history? Should we go back through the last couple, uh, the last few Solheim Cups? Let's do that. I think each of them kind of have uh, a bit of a theme to them or some memorable moments. And it is, uh, it's again, fun to kind of relive them and, and rewatch the highlights and, and read about them and uh, some things you remember and things you don't. But the 2019 version of the Solheim Cup was played at the Sensit. Okay, I couldn't say this in 2014 either. Centenary? Centenary? Centenary, Centenary, Centenary yeah, sure. course at Glen Eagles. Europe defeated the U.S. 14 and a half, 13 and a half. Marina Alex had a putt to win the Solheim Cup for the U.S. on the uh, on the final green, missed it wide right. And Suzanne Pedersen stepped up and hit a literal walk-off <laughs> six-foot putt, probably. Uh, misses. And that's the thing about these final putts in, in Ryder Cups and Solheims is there's not a tie. There's not like, uh, I miss, we tie. I, you know, I make, we win. It is win or lose. It was going to be win or lose on that putt, and she poured it directly in the center. Uh, they were tied 8-8 eight to eight going into Sunday singles, and she had a literal walk-off, made the final putt, and retired. That was the last shot, last professional shot she ever played. No walk-off. Maybe no walk-off in golf history would be better than that. Obviously, Tiger should have scooped the putt oh, before course, tapping in course, at the 2019 Masters, and that would have been the best walk-off. But, yeah, tied 8-8 eight, eight going to Sunday singles. It was, it was an epic, epic duel back and forth. Celine Boudier and Georgia Hall, they were the stars for Team Europe. They went 4-0 in their matches. Uh, and then Nellie and Jessica Corda both went 3-0-1 in their matches on the U.S. side. It was very tense. I think there's some buildup kind of spilling over from the last couple of years. I think that, uh, that we'll get to in a little bit here. But I just remember like the, the, the golf world reacting with such admiration for Suzanne Pedersen, which I just in my career covering golf, her, you know, her career kind of uh, predates that. And I just don't have the memories of Suzanne Pedersen that I, I feel like I probably should and that so many people that have covered golf for a long time have and noted the uh, just the significance of that moment. But it was easy to see just how the golf world reacted to that, how big of a moment that was. Exactly. I, I think Suzanne Pedersen, I mean, I can remember her years and years ago, right, watching some LPGA coverage. Like Tron and I would always joke about her. What, what a absolute, like, you know, we, we say dog or killer now. Like I, I think Suzanne Pedersen – 
embodied uh absolutely a dog if not a killer but uh, it translated though you know it's not like she was the greatest player ever it, almost like in a sergio garcia type of mold is how i think of her she won two majors in her career won 15 times on the lpga tour but there was just something about her when when the lights of of solheim cup would come on she you know i i think what I always heard about her is she's just known for absolute tenacity and, and bulldoggedness, um, which as we get back to 2015, uh, we'll talk about a little as well. I can't but, wait to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> Jen, tell us about 2017. So 2017 in Des Moines at Des Moines Golf and Country Club. And I actually, I didn't know this, but you guys were saying before that the energy there was legendary. A big, big time in Des Moines. Whole, whole city, maybe hopefully, you know, a little bit of a precursor to what we'll see in Toledo. Because I feel like it's got that similar, you know, Midwestern energy, you know, small enough town that it's going to make a real splash. Um, but they actually used a composite course there, too. So they've got two courses at Des Moines, the north and the south, and they used nine holes from each of those, which I thought was kind of interesting because I didn't know that, that was an option. I don't think I would have looked at that and said, you know what, we're going to we're going to patch together a new one. Um, That's the thing about these things is they are huge, just huge logistic things. I mean, we'll see that when we get to Inverness here. They're flipping the 18th and 9th holes, and especially when it comes to the team events, they if you have a great feature hole that's late in the game, they will move that up in the routing because they want to make sure that more matches get to see that hole. And it's actually kind of the way it ends up working out is usually the 17th or 18th holes or some of the weaker holes because – you know, they want to make sure the top feature holes get, get shown on TV, and uh, that's where some matches get decided. So And so, yeah, I obviously wasn't watching in 2017 because I had just started playing golf, didn't really even know what the Solheim Cup was at all. Um, but it was a victory for the U.S., obviously, 16-5 to 11-5. And, okay, I read this, too, that although the European team always wins on, mat, on the um, four ball, that the U.S. is undefeated when it comes to singles. Um, and so it looked like in, in 2017, it was just a runaway from the U.S. I think that uh, Team Europe was leading on the first round of the first session of the first day and then never caught up after that. Um, this, is that not true? This is the, oh, it's, I'm sure it is. <laughs> okay. that's, I was, like, learning. I was no, like, wait no, no. a minute, I'm pretty sure that's what <laughs> happened. Um, and it actually, in that second session on day one, was the only time that anyone has, that the U.S. has swept a session. So they swept, they got, you know, they were down coming into the afternoon and they got hungry out there. Big stars that that year, that weekend, were uh, Paula Kramer, who was actually a captain's pick, it turns out. And she was replacing Jess Corda, who had a forearm injury. Mm. Paula, at the time, was ranked, I think, 110th in the world. Um, but she had six previous appearances at Solheim and had a 14-8-5 record. So that made her kind of a, you know, a good captain's pick. And she, you know, won three times that, that week. Um, so obviously a good one. Not, I will say not dissimilar to the Suzanne Pedersen pick in 2019. There you go. Exactly. You, you need, you need the old faithful. Don't, you know, don't you get the him person going. knows what they're doing. No, don't <laughs> get him going because he's good. And I'd love to give you some no. literature on Phil Mickelson no. for the Ryder Cup this don't year. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I just did a quick Google search because I was I was wondering which year it was that Julie Engster passed out the lunch pails uh for the uh for the team like as in like yeah, yeah we're going to work like the uh, the hard top <laughs> construction but that was 2015 i don't know if that was in your notes right and i'm sorry if i spoiled it I, but no, can, no, it wasn't it wasn't so that's good i did not catch that i was gonna be so bummed if i missed that can this be a good place to talk about solheim cup fashion because i honestly think of like 
2017 is where my mind goes in terms of just the extra flair that is always added to the, the women do such a better job, in my opinion, of, you know, I, I'm in on the face paint. I'm in on any of the additions to the ponytails. They they had some crazy leggings that they wore in 2019 and stuff. Like I just wanted to give a shot. It's is very much not vanilla. I don't know what they have planned for this year, but when I think of 2017, I think of all the red I saw in the crowd in Des Moines, both in highlights and watching some of that live. And uh, I, I'm very excited to see what they've got dialed up on the fashion side for this year. I know in all the pictures, they look really amazing. And there aren't too many occasions for an adult to dress up in like unapologetically patriotic garb. So, I mean, we're wearing the uh, the Team USA uniforms from Tokyo um, all weekend. Are you really? Which we sure are, uh, for better or worse. Um, it was a decision that we made. We were like, oh, let's just get those. That'll be great. We'll have Adidas send them over. And they did. And they arrived and we were like, shoot, I wonder if the players are going to look at us and kind of double take, be like, I was just wearing that. You know, but hopefully they'll notice us, which will be cool. <laughs> That's another thing, too. I have a very good feeling that they will notice you because the women are so good at just interacting and, you know, people, anyone that's out there covering the game, like gets, gets what they want out of it. Right. Because they're happy to have, uh, you know, they, they just are much more appreciative. They view it as additive to their game more than something that's distracting their game. And that's, uh, you know, something something that kind of permeates through the whole the whole you know property throughout a uh, women's golf tournament. So, Brandy, go ahead. Twenty fifteen was was a was a big Solheim Cup. It was played over in Germany, actually, at the golf club Saint Leon Rot. I oh. don't know if I'm Did pronouncing that, that correctly, but ha, ha, no, no, no. I, I wanted to just say it as quickly as possible. So, because that wrong. was a French like kind of pronunciation <laughs> of a German. It was in Germany. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> This Solheim Cup known for primarily two things. The first being controversy involving Suzanne Pedersen not giving a putt, which we'll get to. And then the second thing being a huge American comeback Sunday singles. Enormous. So, yes. Day one. After day one, the Euros were up five to three. Going into day two, the Euros won the morning foursomes three to one. And then four balls were split two to two in the afternoon. The big controversy, though, was in the afternoon. Allison Lee and Brittany Lincecum were playing Charlie Hall and Suzanne Pedersen. Their match was on the 17th hole. The European side was up one at that point. Allison Lee had a putt to tie the hole, slid right past, maybe 16 inches, I read, and she scooped it. Obviously, she thought she had heard it was good. The problem was Charlie Hall, who was walking off the green, I guess didn't say it was good. Suzanne Pedersen was off the green, did not say it was good, and so... Suzanne Patterson went to the rules official and said, "Hey, we actually didn't give that putt." Which can I butt in here to say this was not a this was not a quick rake. Like the putt like went by, she kind of grimaced and like walked towards like after the putt goes by, that's when Charlie Hall starts leaving the green. Nothing is said and it is not a putt that you would ask someone to putt. It was not of that length. It wasn't nervy. It was not a difficult putt coming back at all. They had every opportunity to give her the putt. And, and especially when you're one up, right? Yes. Especially when, you know. And they did not give it to her. And then, she like, I, again, I think the score had even announced it. Like, everyone just started moving on, scooped it, and, like, Allison You're exactly Lee, right. Yeah, yeah just you're looked, exactly right. She just looked horrified, and it was such, such a – I, how old was Allison Lee at the time? Like seventeen, and uh, no, not quite that young, but okay. early twenties. That was close. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Same thing, essentially. Uh, so, obviously, once 
Suzanne informed the rules official with the group, like, your hands are tied at that point. Like, technically, if the putt was not given, then they lose the hole, they lose the match two up. Well, Laura Davies, who's like the the most decorated the Solheim Cup of, of Team Europe ever. Yeah, Dame Laura Davies said this about Suzanne on uh, afterwards on Sky Sports. She said, she, Suzanne, has let herself down, and she has certainly let her team down. I'm so glad I'm not on that team this this time, uh, <laughs> which is crazy. Julie Inkster, the American captain, had some choice words for Suzanne Pedersen. Finally, Suzanne posted something on social media the next day apologizing. She said, I've never felt more gutted and truly sad about what went down Sunday on the 17th at the Solheim Cup. So I don't know, Sally, you can maybe remember some of this. Like there was a lot of discussion on like what the spirit of the Solheim Cup is about and you know, is, is that's the way you want to win and, and all of this stuff. And so really painted Suzanne Pedersen as this like maniacal villain almost. Like she she certainly took a lot over the course of those couple of days, which then, you know, set up the redemption in, in 2019. Um, but anyway, in 2015 specifically, so the U.S. Inner Sunday singles well, sorry. down. Can I just butt yeah. in to say that yeah, what please. this what this thing what this did though was <laughs> raising my hand. Obviously, it was like everyone from the golf world then parachuted into the Solheim Cup. Right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> listen, a lot of people. I'll just candidly say it. We're probably not watching to that point. Did not see this live and. Everyone had a take on this. This was maybe like the, the one of the origins of golf takes was like everyone weighing in all at once, just all like it was just everyone is pitchforks out and just like ready to ride for Allison Lee and just like burn <laughs> Suzanne. I, I was definitely getting involved in this uh, and everyone was just like tearing her apart, which like honestly, like and you, I watched it again and was just like, all right, I'm looking for the sign of like, listen, she was waiting, standing there waiting for her, you know, to put it out or anything like that. And it looked even like worse than I remembered it six years later. So, uh, which it was good on her to, to apologize a day later. And then, uh, but yeah, it, uh, it, it changed things. Things changed after that. There, there will be takes. It was a, there will be takes situation. <laughs> uh, so then, you know, in the same Ryder cup, like I said, 10-6, Team Euro, heading into Sunday singles. When when has an American side ever come back from 10-6 to six going into singles play? But that's just what the United States did. Uh, Team Europe actually won two and a half points from the first four matches. So, you know, there are eight matches on the course. All they need is a point and a half to retain and win the, the Solheim Cup. But then Allison Lee, to her credit, comes back, gets a win. Jarena Pillar was the sixth match. She had to make a 10-footer on 18 to win her match to keep the comeback possible. She buried it. Lizette Salas won her match. Angela Stanford won her match. Christy Kerr won her match. Michelle Wee won, won the penultimate match. And then Paula Creamer won her uh, final match, uh, touched off the celebration. The Americans clinch it. Had to be very, very satisfying, I'm sure, in that team room afterwards. Hmm. That was my like welcome to the Solheim Cup moment of you know <laughs> just kind of uh, feeling like it was it, really kind of understanding the uh, the whole environment and, and the scene and whatnot. So, any other nuggets in history that did you uncovered here? I see some of the notes here that have me very freaking excited. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, Dottie Pepper. You know, if you only know Dottie Pepper from her work on CBS broadcasts, you you well, you should know she had a decorated playing career, of course. But 
you know, she was kind of Captain America before Patrick Reed was Captain America there for, for a time. So she was an American stalwart at Solheim Cups to the point where the Europeans hated her. Like, she, yes. I, I read something that the, the Europeans had a punching bag in their team room, and they printed out a picture of Dottie Pepper and put it on the punching bag to let people blow off steam in 1998. Uh, which is just fantastic. But I guess Whoa. Dottie Pepper was like, you know, <laughs> no BS, all business. Uh, uh, Not here to make friends. Exactly. A good Solheim <laughs> cover for sure. I need, um, you know, I respect that. I need some high. I need to see some highlights from this. I need to see. I'm sure that I. I feel like I, I, CBS will cut in highlights of Dottie like going nuts on the golf course. But I need to tie that back into the Solheim Cup now. I need to see. I need to see why they hated her so much. That's fantastic. And she's caused some controversy in the booth. So after her playing days in two, 2007, she got kind of hot mic'd uh, going to commercial break. She was talking about the U.S. team, calling them quote choking freaking dogs. Uh, <laughs> And not only that, though, the U.S. team would go on to win that Solheim Cup. Uh, but she she definitely, you know, ruffled some some feathers uh, with with younger U.S. team members. Um, kind of kind of a little Johnny Miller there, which Dottie would love to bring some of that energy these days to CBS. Let's let's get after <laughs> people. Did anybody call her out on that? Like, was that oh, yeah. discussed any further? Oh, I love oh, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, The U.S. team members did not take kindly to it. I, I think it was actually pretty frosty between Dottie and, and some U.S. players for, for a little bit there. Gosh, Randy, you're giving me so much good stuff to want to go read about when this is all done. <laughs> That's the whole point of all this. See, this is like... This is the stuff that, you know, if you're aware of this, it gets you, puts a whole different perspective when you uh, tune in to actually watch the event. So, yeah. Um, and there was one other thing, if, if you'll allow it. Uh, oh, in 2000, I guess there was a, what, what, what I read as a chip gate. Annika was playing in a four ball match against um, an American team, Kelly Robbins, and actually Pat Hurst, who's the captain this year. Anyway, uh, Annika, they were down one. In their match, Annika holds out a chip on 13. Apparently, though, you know, the U.S. team asked for a rules official to measure if Annika was, in fact, furthest away because in match play, of course, whoever is uh, furthest from the hole, they have to play. It turns out Annika was a yard closer than American Kelly Robbins, so Team USA instituted a match play rule, made her replay the shot, of course, uh, Annika did not hold her chip a second time, and that pissed off Team Europe. They were they were very steamed. Again, kind of with the giving of putts, you know, is this what the Solheim Cup's about, this type of gamesmanship? And it motivated Team Europe. They would go on to win the Solheim Cup that year. So I think if anything we can take, you know, those those little gamesmanship moments, they, they usually serve to fire up the other team is what I'm learning. Randy, I didn't hear a word you just said because now I'm reading about Dottie Pepper <laughs> and uh, <laughs> all the quotes. And it, it sounds like uh, Dottie tried to go talk to the team that night uh, after she was called the hot mic and they said, we don't want to talk to you. They slammed the door in my face. <laughs> That's the part people don't know. They think I just blew it off. Gosh, I'm going to go down an entire wormhole tonight. It, it, this is a huge thing. You're choking freaking dog comment at the last Soul Hype Cup created a furor. You know it will be like it, it's like there's like 18 articles. All, all I had to do was Google choking freaking dog. Yes. I know. That's what I mean. Come on, Dottie. Let's let's get some asses on that CVS broadcast. Oh, 
I love it. All right. Well, you're going to go through the teams a little bit. Before we do that, I want to give a shout-out to our friends at Cooper Tires. i got to admit, uh, I've never put much thought into tires in the past. I, the thought is always, you know, what just drive whatever comes in the vehicle. If I had to replace them, I kind of made the decision just based solely on price. Our friends at Cooper Tires know they know what they're talking about. They uh, Cooper has been an American company since 1914 with more than a century in the tire industry. Each Cooper tire undergoes rigorous testing and are backed by warranty, so you can trust the last for thousands of miles. The Coopers pride themselves on good merchandise, fair play, and a square deal. Always have, always will. Firm handshakes, Randy. That's what it sounds like to me. I think we're going to see, hopefully we see a lot of good sportsmanship and firm handshakes this week. That's what it's all about. Always have, always will. Uh, don't overpay or underbuy. Cooper Tires do what tires should do and cost what tires should cost. All Cooper Tires are backed by a limited warranty, 45-day test drive warranty, and select products are backed by Treadwear, Treadwear Mileage Warranty, helping to give you confidence on the road. For complete product and warranty details, please visit coopertires.com or coopertires.ca. Go with the Coopers. So before we get into the teams here, Jen, you, you mentioned kind of Brent, Brittany Altamari as being one of your favorite players. Who else Who else is uh, kind of on your, on your favorite player list? And I would really love to hear why. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's it's really hard to, to choose. I mean, we're huge, huge Danielle Kang fans. I just think that she is absolutely electric. She's so fun to watch. She she came on the pod. She's really cool. Um, she actually, she, don't, don't we mentioned an much. outfit. She's not that cool. <laughs> I mean, I have to, this is wild. This is wild. Cause I she's expected, okay. you know, she's okay. okay. Well, so in my closet, my golf closet right now, I have hanging a dress that she wore in Vegas like three years ago because we complimented it during our podcast episode. She goes, do you guys hang out a lot? And I was like, what kind of questions that we're best friends? Like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, I'll send it to you and you guys can share it. And we're like, dude, what? It's this sequined. <laughs> Dress that looks like a pack of Marlboro cigarettes, but it says Marlboro and it says fashion kills. It's like the coolest thing in the world. And I thought maybe that she was just kidding. And then it showed up on my doorstep. So that's the way to my heart. You know, share your clothes with me. Um, so she's just also really cool. Aside from that, you know, just very fun to watch. I feel like she's she's always talking a lot to her caddy, um, which and they, they seem to really be like a team. Um, so that's, that's really fun. So obviously very excited to see, see Danielle. Um, also Megan King, my fellow mass hole. Um, we talked to her last year. She is like the most down to earth person I think I've ever met in my entire life. Um, she's just so cool. Um, it seems to almost be lost on her that she's a professional athlete. Like she just (laughs) acts kind of like she's going to like a, a job like anybody else in like PR or something. But yeah, she's, uh, she's the, the coolest also, I'm so excited. My favorite rookie, I think, is probably Jennifer Cupcho because I think that she is a very fierce competitor. I think that she's like one of the most competitive people. She was saying, I forget when this was, but oh no, it was the Evian in 2019. She tied for second. And when they asked her like how she thought things went, she was like, well, I left something out there. You know, I could have done better. And it was like, dude, you tied for second. And I think she was like, you know, was she even a professional at the time? Like, it was one of her first majors. It was crazy. So, very excited to see them. I mean, the whole team. I'm excited to see the courtes in real life. Um, those swings. <laughs> just can't wait to just watch them. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there's there's a whole lot of people. I mean, Mina Harrigay, too, another rookie. But she's 32. She's a 32-year-old rookie, which I think is super interesting. And she, you know, lost status a couple of years ago. Had to really claw her way back. So I think she's really got the heart of a champion. And I think she's going to be really grateful to be there, too. 
uh, which I think will be really exciting to watch. So, I mean, I've rattled off almost half the team at this point, but I'm just really excited to really see everybody. I also want to mention another person that's not on the team that I'm really excited to see, and that's my girl, Beth Ann Nichols. Um, I am so excited to meet Beth Ann Nichols. Um, I hope maybe she's listening right now. Um, (laughs) You get a cut of cup of coffee. I don't know, like sit together in the media tent, maybe. I just wanted to put that out there. She, I feel like I've learned so much from her um, and I'm really excited to see her too. So just a lot of excitement going into this week. I'm just well, that's, can't stop the smiling. The vibe I'm that's, getting, yeah, it's like a uh, honestly, it's kind of like an eight-year-old going to their first MLB game. No, honestly, it's like <laughs> no, I've watched yeah, it on TV. It's so I'm, endearing. Yeah. I've never gotten to experience it before, and I'm, I'm getting ready to. Like that's not uh, that's not like typically we try to present like a very like expert vibe going here and seasons. Oh, it's like oh, this will be nothing compared to the 2011 iteration of this event. But like I, I'm really pumped. I, your your excitement level is getting me excited. So I, um, I God, I want to. I, I, I want to see that moment when you and Beth Ann meet. I, I just want to be sitting like, across the wait. media center and, and watching. It will that. be like meeting Bruce Springsteen or something, you know, to me. Like, I just, she's up there at this point, And I feel like, you know, I feel like I know her. You know, I'm just so she's excited. The best. She's the best. <laughs> she seems so cool. She seems so cool. I mean, I read every single thing that she writes. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's funny how, like, your opinion on Danielle King is exactly right. That she is funny and like she will harass her caddy like during individual stroke play events. I think somebody sent us a video when she was out at the Olympic Club. She's you know taking practice swings in the rough and uh, you know she's getting ready to step into the ball and her caddy is just like oh, hold up please on the path and she like backs off of it and says to her caddy like very clearly an earshot of everyone else around her like you are bothering me more than the people are. And, <laughs> so, and that's like in a major championship. So her in this kind of team environment is going to be, uh, I'm guessing she's going to have some, has some good style. Her, there, but. And I want to say her caddy, Ollie Brett is Always one the of best. the nicest, most generous dudes. Funny. Uh, such a good dude. He pairs so well with Danielle. Want to know the craziest thing? A few weeks ago, my cousin texted me and he goes, guess who I just met at a bar in Boston. I was like, who? And he's like, Ollie Brett. And immediately I was like, Danielle's caddy? He sent me like a selfie of them. Ollie had like a weekend off or something and he had never been to Boston. He always does so that. he came alone. Yeah. He came here alone, went to a bar, ended up meeting my cousin Mickey and hanging out with him and his friends the whole night. And I was like, yo, like, get me in touch. You know, he seems like a cool guy. Um, so I'm excited to see him too, actually. I remember when we were in Atlanta, they were, he was talking about having a week off and he was like asking me where he should go. And I was just like, I, I, I'm going to need more more information. Like, what are you looking to do? But he just like travels <laughs> around the U.S. on his off weeks. And, you know, those those guys travel so much as it is. I always found that uh, pretty, pretty endearing. But I'm just going to run through the team. I know we've mentioned a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of players on, on both sides to this point. We, we got some Europe to cover here, I think, eventually as well. But the captain is Pat Hurst on the United States side. As I mentioned, we got to play with her. She was uh, she was there during. Uh, remind me, what's the LPJ event that she was there for in Toledo that I always keep forgetting the name of? The marathon. Marathon. That's right. Uh, yeah. She was up there. Which that's the annual event in Toledo. Yes. Her assistant captains are Angela Stanford, Michelle Wee West, and Stacy Lewis. And then the qualifying veterans on the U.S. side: Nelly Corda, Danielle Kang, Ali Ewing, Austin Ernst, Lexi Thompson, Jessica Corda, Megan Kang, Lizette Salas, and the only rookie qualifier is, as Jen mentioned, Jennifer Cupcho. 
Uh, the captain's picks are Brittany Altamari. She's playing in her second Solheim Cup. And then rookies, Yulimi No and Mina Haragay. So I didn't know Mina had lost her status. I wonder how many how many players on both the men's and women's side have lost status and end up back in uh, playing team events on, on their either U.S. or European side. Yeah, she was playing Cactus Tour a couple of years ago, I guess. And that's uh, apparently that's where she caught past, Pat Hurst's eye. She was doing really well on the Cactus Tour, got invited to one of these meetups. What's the deal with these meetups, by the way? These like little these little vacations that they go on before. How do they decide who to invite? Like, what's the, that seems like fun, but it, it seems like this wild state secret. I want to know. It it sounds like it's been way, really hard to put together this year just because of COVID. And, and if I've heard, I've heard some rumblings that some of the U.S. players have not been very accommodating, even for non-COVID reasons of, uh, you know, getting involved, getting, doing the team meetups or doing things that are slightly outside of, you know, the general expectation and, uh, yeah, I heard some. I heard some not great stories on that. I'm not going to name names just because I don't have it fully sourced. But uh, somebody that I that I know and trust was saying like, yeah, the the captain's efforts have not been met with the same efforts from the players on that regard. Some drama. Yeah, some, I could I could maybe guess some names, but but I won't. Uh, it, it is Mina Harrigan is a great story. I I tweeted. I'm not sure if she would have been my captain's pick, but that she is Pat Hurst's pick is. You know, great for her and and Jen. I think you nailed it. It's it's a great story. And I will say, Sophia Popov, another one who lost status, but now will be on Team Europe. Hmm. There you go. A um, couple questions. Thank you to everyone that sent in questions uh, via Twitter. This is from Kidzy Garat. Kidzy Garat. I can. Yeah, I don't know what to do with that one. Uh, how heavily? This is for Randy. How heavily do we weigh the home game factor for the Mud Hen? Oh my God! It's it's one of the largest home game advantages we've ever seen the mud hen is something i've desperately tried to get stick if you're like what the hell does that mean last year when the lpga restarted of course they had the drive on at inverness followed the next week by the marathon and danielle kang won both uh so in honor of the toledo triple a baseball team the toledo mud hens i figured mud hen would be a great nickname for danielle uh I look forward to asking her about that. I have a feeling she might hate it. I have a feeling she might say something very mean to me, but maybe not. I, I look forward to her reaction this week. I'm not sure that needed that much of an explanation. I'm sure everyone has made, <laughs> has, has made that connection very easily. This next question, I kind of rolled my eyes when I, when I read it because um, it seems very unrealistic. It's from at Kendall Carroll. says, will Nellie and Jessica lose a match together this week? I rolled my eyes because it's very unlikely that somebody would go undefeated. But sure enough, check the results from 2019, and they did not lose a match together uh, in 2019. Jen, are they going to go undefeated again this year? I think definitely those girls are unstoppable. Uh, I like, sure. I don't think, sure. I don't, I wouldn't want to face them in an alley. I have no doubt in my mind, undefeated. God, I love the confidence. <laughs> I, I, I mean, they're so I good. Uh, <laughs> who, who could beat them realistically? Who do you think would beat them? It's, That's what's so crazy about, about team competitions. Yeah. I, I don't know. But they're such an, like a well-formed team, you know, they've been on a team their entire lives. Mm -hmm. So and they look like the same person almost sometimes, you know. So it's. I, I have a feeling we're gonna we're in for some planned celebrations. I have a, I have no inside info on that. I just have a feeling that some of these teams, I think we're gonna see some uh, some 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 jazz. To, I hope it's not as bad as you know Tiger and Kucher, whatever that little handshake thing was that one year. That was really tough. But uh, I just just be on the lookout for that. I have a feeling about that. Randy, why don't you tell us a little bit about Team Europe? 
Oh, would love to. Uh, I, I think it's a feisty team. I think they are being underrated at this point in the betting markets. Uh, that is not an endorsement to go bet on them, but uh, I think it's good value. Yeah, Randy, Captain, how are you doing on your betting so far this year? Not good. Not good. <laughs> not good. Uh, <laughs> Captain Katrina Matthew, she won the 2009 uh, 2009 British Open, four-time LPGA winner, six-time Lady European Tour winner. She actually captained the team in 2019. Um, they returned five of the 12 players that she had a couple years ago. Her assistant captains, Laura Davies, Dame Laura Davies, Catherine Imry, and Suzanne Pedersen. Uh, so you know that team room. They're uh, not giving uh, any putts. That's, how, that's no. what you know. And there are going to be some good speeches. God, to be a fly on the wall in that team room. Um, so Europe had a slightly different qualification system. They took the top two via Ladies European Tour points. And those two players are Denmark's Emily Christine Peterson, who I did want to mention. I, I don't want to, uh, at the risk of maybe misreporting something, but she and uh, Danielle's caddy, Ollie, are, are a pair, or at least have been a pair. So mm. uh, maybe something to keep on, uh, an eye on there in, in a match. She and is then... also hot-headed, like hot-headed. <laughs> she kicked her bag in the Olympics with coming down the stretch of that. I just... And she, I think yeah. she threw a clutch. She is, she's got some fire in her. She'll be looking to get her first Solheim Cup points. She's 0-3 in her career. Uh, the other qualifier via this method is England's Georgia Hall. She is 6-3 and three in her Solheim Cup career. She's playing really good golf right now. She she was right in the mix at the British Open. She had a good Evian. Um, a, a, a real bulldog, kind of in that Graham McDowell mold uh, to me. So... Those were the two LET qualifiers, and then they took four based off the Rolex World Rankings. Sweden's Anna Norquist qualifies. She's kind of the veteran of this team, 12-9-2 career record, obviously coming off a, a major championship at Carnoustie. You have Germany's Sofia Popov. She's a Solheim rookie. England's Charlie Hall, uh, who owns one of the best Solheim career records at 9-3-3. Though there is some questions, how her back hold up. She tweaked it a little bit uh, a couple weeks ago. We shall see on that. And then Spain's Carlotta Seganda, who in her career six six and four. Uh, those are your other automatic qualifiers. And then six captains picks. I love. I, I thought Captain Matthew nailed these captains picks. Leona McGuire, who's a rookie. She's uh, from Ireland. Our very own, I say, uh, R, uh, she's a young hitter. Sweden's Madeline Sackstrom. This will be her second Solheim Cup. She's one and two. Finland's Matilda Kastren will be a Solheim rookie this year. Denmark's Nana Kurtz Madsen will be a rookie. She is. Uh, she had that tough uh, stretch coming, uh, capped off by the 18th at the British Open a couple weeks ago. England's Mel Reed. Uh, who I think should be better than her career record. She's 4-6-2 and two all time in the Solheim. Uh, that was surprising to me. And then finally, France's Celine Boutier, uh, who is 4-0-0 in her career in the Solheim Cup. Those are your captain's picks. Celine Boutier, underrated person to watch in person. That golf swing, it, it didn't do much for me on TV, but seeing it in person, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, no wonder you hit like every single shot dead straight. So <laughs> I'm interested to watch her in this format. Four will she no, ever no. lose? Will she ever lose a Solheim Cup match? Very That's good the question. Big question. <laughs> very good question. They got a lot of major champs. You know, we uh, American golf, women's golf, I feel like is on the up and up. But it was kind of a long spell was broken this past year with Nellie Corda finally winning a major when it had been since 2018. 
since uh, since they had won one. But yeah, with Anna Nordquist winning the British Open this year, Georgia Hall, major winner, Sofia Popov, of course, uh, Madeline Saxham, almost a major winner in the most recent run. It's they got some. They got some talent. This should be really, really freaking good. I think it's good. I think Leona McGuire could be the breakout. Like she, she has been a top twenty machine all year. A stellar, stellar amateur career. Played golf at Duke. Um, I, I really like her too. Matilda Castron has been, you know, one of the the hotter players all year. It's it's going to be really good. Yeah, Leona McGuire also shockingly first Irish player in the Solheim ever. What? Is really? That's isn't that weird? Not surprising. But if you think about it, though, who else is Irish in the women's game? That maybe that's why the Irish the, isn't that the Irish fans are just out of control excited about Leona McGuire. There's she can finish like T eighteen and be like, well, make sure that you get a Leona McGuire mentioned it on the podcast this week. She had another <laughs> great week for her. I was like. Guys, she's actually really, really, really good. I don't think we need to, you know, acknowledge a T eighteen, but uh, that's interesting. I never even would have would have thought of that with the country. Is, of, yeah. I, I don't know if I'm. Am I speaking? I thought I heard. I think Matilda Castro might be the first Finnish woman to play. I in think the, you're right. The yeah. Cup too. I could see that. Yeah, which I mean, I don't hear a lot about Finnish golf though, so that makes a little more sense to me than the Ireland, right? It's like, yeah, no, no lady golfers come out of there yet. Yeah, yeah. To reach this level. That's interesting. So, kind of exciting. It's only a matter of time, both in the men's or women's side, before we start seeing you know, golf golfers from further east in Europe kind of start to pop up. I mean, it, it, it seems like, you know, you don't get much past Germany on the European side, right. really, ever. I and, mean, of course, with Rory Sabatini, you know, from, <laughs> from Slovakia, of course, but uh, being the lone exception to that. But let's talk a little bit about the golf course. Uh, you know, as I mentioned about 35 times here, Randy, we were up here in July <laughs> and uh, got to see, uh, you know, got to play the golf course with Pat and kind of talk to her, ask her a ton of questions. And really, I think I walked away from that just kind of amazed at how, even on the captain side, the logistics were so important, right? I mean, they are mm-hmm. adamant about creating this atmosphere around this event and how that being important to, you know, the U S team hopefully ended up winning and being successful, but, uh, what sticks out? What, what, what's the first thing you want to bring up when you go, comes to the golf course, big, uh, it, just proper. It is such a proper golf course. Um, one of Donald Ross's best golf courses. Um, it, it's a piece of property that it, it's pretty open, right? Uh, tons of sight lines across the property. They did a ton of tree removal, um it it just i mean i i always feel so corny trying to describe golf courses but it just looks really good uh the the big feature is this ravine that comes into play um either on approach shots or off the tee on on a number of holes so so this ravine kind of cuts across the property and and influences a, a ton um I think the biggest thing Sala, you and i learned was just the you know the the first and tenth tee in during normal play are, are pretty close to each other and, and they kind of go down fairways that aren't quite parallel, but are, but are pretty close. And we learned that they're essentially going to combine the first and 10th tees. So, you know, during the, the first couple of days that it won't really be an issue with, with traffic, but then singles, they'll have to space it a little bit. So folks coming off nine, uh, won't, you know, they'll, they'll time it up with, with matches teeing off one, but I think that's going to be great. Uh, just, just having that, that big 
opening grandstand uh, kind of serving for two tee boxes. I, I think that's a really cool touch at Inverness. Um, what, what else about the course? I feel like you can describe it much better than I no, can. No, so. I would say to reiterate that, there's going to be 2,000 people around there, and we're talking like it is a shared tee box normally. It almost makes like a U shape where the first hole is on the right and the 10th hole is on the left. They're putting the tee in the dead center of those two tees, which actually makes both holes a little bit better. And it's just one set of tees. Like, it's going to be the same tee. And they're going to have to, like, as you said, the, the singles when they come through on Monday, like, they're going to have to get that flow right of, all right, we'll hold up the match that's about to start. Like, imagine that. You get through nine holes, and, like, you come right back to that first tee setting, and you get to go send them off again for the back nine. You get that first tee environment two different times. I think that's that seems to be one of their biggest focus items. And uh, just again on the logistic kind of fan atmosphere side, the Meyer Pavilion, I think is what they had they called it near the fifth green and near the 12th tee is, do I have that right? 70,000 square feet of, of build out around that hole. Does that sound right? I believe that's right. I know it's going to be one of the largest golf viewing structures ever constructed. Uh, I, I really cannot wait to see it. Yeah, I, we, we, we saw the foundation that was laid, uh, but we didn't see any any height to it yet. I, I just it's going to dominate the whole property. I think. I hope we're not overhyping how many people are going to be there, <laughs> but like I really do think this is going to be like I think they're expecting a lot. Um, and there's a there's a bit of a routing change as we mentioned the the kind of the reasons why this happens a lot. You know, for Ryder Cups and Solheim's, the ninth and the eighteenth holes are swapped. Uh, 18th hole is, a, is one of the, I don't know if you call it signature hole, but kind of one of the cooler feature holes. Uh, and so we'll see that uh, a little more frequently as it flipped over uh, into being the ninth hole. Just massive, massive greens that are very interesting. They're not rounded off, so you can kind of tuck some pins in corners while still presenting you know a, a lot of safe options. If you get out of position, if you're in the rough, the fairways are not very wide out there. These women will make him look wide because it, it's like the perfect length width-wise uh, for fairways for the women's game. And you know the rough, when we played, it was punishing. It was wet and moist when we played there in July, and it was like it, it just gobbled up golf balls. And I'm hoping the greens get a little bit of firmness, check the weather there. They're not scheduled to get any rain from now up until the event or during the event. So, uh, the, you know, the, I the, forget the name of the superintendent there that we met, though, and he's known as one of the one of the better superintendents in the game. So I believe that they should be able to get this golf course uh, bouncing firm, rolling firm, which is just going to create a whole more new interesting style of golf. And yeah, there's just like a, a lot of undulation. If if the ball does bounce, there's going to be some true death spots to, not to miss it. Like just true spots you cannot get up and down from around the greens. There's some great par fours, you know, coming down the stretch. You know, it, it's and they have the the yardage listed at like 6,900 yards, which is wildly long for the women's game. But at the same time, I think that is like the maximum possible yardage they could set each hole at, which I would I would not imagine yeah. they they go anywhere near that. So. I, uh, I think talking, you know, one of the things uh, Captain Hurst was telling us when we were playing with her, there are a number of holes where it's really going to make the the players decide what to hit off the tee, where if they grab driver, it's like, okay, you, you can, you know, um, you can gain an advantage, but you really got to fit your drive like in between bunkers to catch slopes, or you take an iron, perhaps a hybrid, something like that, and, and lay back. And of course, you have a longer approach shot. But it, it sounded one of the things I took away was it, it sounded like there's going to be a ton of decision making off the tee 
uh, and a lot of risk reward as far as as far as that goes. Yeah, and it's it's going to be one of the things I took note of was just uh, you know, Andrew Green's uh, restoration work that he's done out there. First of all, it's one of the easiest courses ever for me to drone because of the lack of trees within it. Like you could park in one spot and like cover the whole golf course. That may not seem you know noteworthy, but what I took away from that is like the sound, how the sound is going to travel out there, and that uh, it's such an open field that you're almost going to be able to see the exact hole you know, the crowds are going nuts at or what is actually happening, exactly what match, um, you know, for the whole thing to be played in kind of one big field instead of a bunch of small corridors kind of in different parts of the property. Uh, you know, you can almost look around. If you arrive, you can go look and see where the crowds are and see exactly where you need to go to go catch up with a match. I think that's going to be an interesting uh, interesting element and vibe for the people people on site. If you can't tell, say, if you live in the Toledo area, send this podcast around to anyone you know. Uh, Walk-up tickets are available if you live within somewhat of a close drive. This is a worthwhile experience for yourself. And if you have young kids that are looking to get in the game of golf on either the men's or women's side, like this is gonna a chance to give them a, a lasting impression for for one of the one of the coolest events in, in the game of golf. So I like I think folks in Cincinnati should make the drive for the day, right? Like two and a half, three hour drive, come up in the morning, watch the golf, drive home in the evening. It's it's a no brainer. I, I would strongly encourage folks and, and like you said, br- bring the kids. It's absolutely uh, a, you know, a, a family environment. I don't know how the scheduling for this stuff works. Uh, I imagine that they've been locked into this date for, you know, longer than COVID and, you know, with the Ryder Cup moving and, you know, I'm talking about the specific dates. Really, really wish this wasn't going up against the Tour Championship. Uh, they are finishing on Monday. For those listening, the, the, the matches start on Saturday. The team match, matches are Saturday and Sunday. Uh, and is football starting this week? Is there college football starting this weekend? Co- yeah, college, but no NFL. Okay. Uh, still feels like a busy weekend. It's Labor Day weekend. I don't know what television ratings are like, you know, on a, on a holiday weekend like that. Are more people likely to watch? Are less people likely to watch? I don't know, but it just feels like a busy weekend. I feel like there's a chance it kind of slips through the cracks for some people, and I'm hoping that's not the case. Yeah, it's. I, I'll give, you know, the, the TV windows are are great the between nbc and golf channel there's going to be a ton of golf showed uh televised so yeah i i hope so it seems like the pga tour and the lpga should be able to work you know i know they have a strategic alliance uh i i don't know i what i'm wondering is though is is does the lpga feel like they they benefit more if like folks are watching the tour championship and can flip back and forth you know i know ex-commissioner Juan said that at one point which i still don't really (laughs) see the benefits of that uh maybe as much as as he does but yeah i i don't know that's that's a good question we'll we'll have to get the the answer on the ground this week and to your point yes it's saturday day one foursomes and four balls 7 30 a.m to 12 30 p.m on golf channel then at 12 30 flips over to nbc for two hours and then back to golf channel from 2 30 to 6 p.m uh, similar schedule on Sunday, but it's 7.30 a.m. to noon on Golf Channel, then over to NBC for an hour and a half, then back to Golf Channel for 1.30 to 6, and then Sunday, day three singles, uh, 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. on Golf Channel. So uh, what did we leave out? Jen, anything that we left out that you want to discuss? Well, actually, I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with the Toledo Blade, but the um, Lake Erie advocates are going to be protesting at the Solheim. Not protesting the Solheim, but protesting the pollution of Lake Erie, which the Toledoans have been gunning for for quite some time, and they're, wow, they're fed that's... up. So there is 
you know, there's going to be some politics going Randy's on. Randy's a big, big fan it. of the pollution in Lake Erie, so that's going to be an interesting I love, showdown. I, the, the more, yeah, the more ag runoff we can create, the more algae we can get blooming. I love it. I'm I'm well, going to protest the protesters. Now Randy's going to miss the golf. That's this. Uh, this is <laughs> we've worked so just heckling the Lake Erie advocates. We've the whole worked time. so hard to get them up there. That's so unfortunate. <laughs> um, all right, Fool Ultimate asked the question: Who is likely to have a big week? and can use it as a career springboard. Pick one on each side, as well as biggest dog and killer on each side. That's, that's too many questions. Ooh. Let's stick to let's stick to one. Who's likely to use it as a career springboard? One on each side. You know, I think I'm going to go ahead and say that it's going to be a crowning for Cup Joe. Mm-hmm. I think that she's going to really thrive here. I just, I think she's been due for kind of a breakout moment. I mean, as if winning the animal wasn't enough, but on the tour, I think she's been doing really well. And I think that she thrives on competition. I think it's going to be a big, big weekend for her. On the European side, I'm going to go with Leona McGuire um, with my, my countrymen. <laughs> you know, um, I think she's hungry too. I think she's fiercely competitive. And I think it's just the perfect setting it's, for her. Your dialect must be different, you know, than, than her accent. You know, it's just different regions, you know, of Ireland. <laughs> yeah, 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 different regions. You know, like I went to private school. So. Oh, oh. Randy, who you got? I, I love that Leona McGuire pick on the on the European side. Uh, let me take, just in the interest of, of – you know, building somebody else. I'll take our very own Madeline Sackstrom. She has really showed well in some big events. Um, I believe she was top 15 at the women's KPMG. She played in the Olympics, held the first round lead. Um, obviously a runner up at the British Open. She seems like she's getting more comfortable, starting to get some results in big events. I could see this being, you know, a, a great weekend for that, that springboards are into 2022 and beyond. So she'll be my pick for Team Europe on the U.S. side. Uh, again, Jen, I like that Cup Show pick, but in the interest of, of going somewhere else, you know what? I, I picked on her a little bit in one of our Sunday podcasts a few weeks ago. I, I'll say Allie Ewing. You know, she's somebody that this is not her first Solheim. Uh, she did not play well, though, last in, in 2019. She won the match play at Shadow Creek earlier this year. If she can have a big week, I think that can lead her into, you know, she's got to start doing well in the majors, playing well in, in the bigger events. So I'll take Allie Ewing on the U.S. side. Solly? I'm going to go with Yulimi No. I don't know, you know, exactly what the plan is for how much she's going to play, but she has played, you know, enormously. She's had some great, great major championship finishes that just haven't finished and, and gone her way. Uh, Randy, we can talk about that for the next several months if we want to. I don't know if that's a, a topic that we like to discuss <laughs> frequently on this podcast, but uh, I'm excited to see what they do with Yulimi No. You know, I, I hope I, she plays a ton. I to, hope so too. To your, to your first point, I, yeah. listen, Leona McGuire, you, you took that one from me, but I'm 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 blown away by Celine Boudier being four and zero in the last one, and I want to <laughs> see if she can. It seems like it would be a great golf course for her. you know if they don't set it up too too long. I think you know her ball striking could could win out pretty strong in that one. So she. Great points, Holly. She finished runner-up last August at the mm. at the drive-on here. How about that? Yeah, that was tough. That was tough to watch. <laughs> I wish I, I wish I even knew that. I would have I would have made that point and sounded even smarter. But <laughs> we will have some content, some video content coming out here shortly on Friday. We'll have a crash course uh, from our day playing with. Did we meet? Did we? Met, I forget. Oh, sorry, we should have mentioned this earlier that we play with Pat Hurst at Inverness. I don't know if we <laughs> mentioned that uh yet today but um if it I, makes people feel any better though the, the weather was awful it sucked <laughs> we got a tight tight window to play in and we rushed yeah. through the round before it started raining again but we got got all 18 holes in 
I think that about wraps it. We will be uh, on site, both uh, Randy and I. DJ's going to be there. TC's going to be up there. And then everyone from Gruder Golf is going to be up there as well. And we are excited to collab with them on some content while we're up there. And, uh, gosh, I'm ready to just go find out what happens and have some fun. I, I just can't wait to take it all in. So, Jen, I, thanks too. for coming on the pod and this great uh, welcoming, oh my God. You, a dream welcoming come true. you into the family. I encourage you to dream bigger, please. And uh, and uh, <laughs> looking forward to uh, to a great week. Thanks everyone for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you at the Solheim. Sorry in advance, we're not we're going to miss a lot of the tour championship. That just needs to be said. But uh, we sorry, are, uh, sorry, I'm sorry, not, not sorry. sorry. Yeah, we're going to be we're going to be uh, you know living it up in Toledo. So, thanks everyone for coming on. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you soon. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different.